for those of you who don't know me, I am Kathy Pence. Um, I live here. Aaron is my husband, the manly, beautiful man in the back. That's, he's all mine, so hands off. Um, we live here. We're the building caretakers, and I'm also in charge of the children's stuff, which is really awesome. I feel privileged that I'm a part of that, that I get to, that they let me be in charge of it, um, <laughs> which is really great. I'm, it's, the kids are so good. Um, you may have seen me in my cheetah print onesie countless times, my any pajama type. Uh, Aaron said I shouldn't wear it during this because it would be too provocative. But uh, so I didn't. But um, next time, next time. Uh, but today I am privileged to um, to share this scripture with you. We are we've been reading in Samuel, First um, Samuel. And right now we're up to 1 Samuel chapter 12. Now, I do have some questions that I'm assuming some of you, I know that I have asked myself these questions, so I'm going to assume that maybe at least some of you have asked these questions too. But, you know, um, have you ever asked God to be tangible or real or um, ever felt like he wasn't paying attention to you or say, God, I just need a sign. Give me a sign. I ask for him that a lot, actually, and sometimes I ask for very tangible signs, like, just put it on a billboard for me. He doesn't always do that. In fact, he's never done that for me. But, um, but I, I think that this chapter speaks a lot about how God is present with us and how we can acknowledge his presence and acknowledge him. Um, so I think there's some practical tips as well as just a good reminder of that. Um, I will be reading from the New American Standard, which is a little bit different. It's a word-for-word translation. So if you follow along with it in an NIV or NLT, you might get lost, but I will have it up on the screen for you. Um, And just so you know, I'll kind of stop and go, stop and go. You'll know when it's me. You'll know when it's Scripture, okay? I I won't just add in my own little thing here. Well, I might, but just have discernment for yourselves. No, Uh, we'll start. Um, In verse 1, Then Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, I have listened to your voice in all that you said to me, and I have appointed a king over you. Now here is the king walking before you, but I am old and gray, and behold, my sons are with you. And I have walked before you from my youth even to this day. Um, So pause. Uh, if you've been reading in Samuel, you know that Samuel's been walking along with these people for a very long time now. Um, and, and Samuel's kind of pointing out, like, you asked for a king, you got it. Uh, even though Samuel's walked with them for a long time, and as tangible as Samuel is, um, he wasn't tangible enough for them. They wanted a king that they could see. Verse 3. Here I am, bear witness against me before the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken, or whose donkey have I taken, or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed, or from whose hand have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? I will restore it to you. They said, you have not defrauded us, or oppressed us, or taken anything from any man's hand. He said to them, the Lord is witness against you. And his anointed is witness this day that you have found nothing in my hand. 
And they said, he is witness. So I think here Samuel's pointing out his integrity. You know, he's not necessarily pointing out all the good things he's done, you know, like rubbing it in their faces. But he's saying, you know, basically like call me out. If I've done anything, I'll fix it. I'll restore it. And um, I love that he also is giving like all glory to God in this, that um, he is recognizing and acknowledging that God is present, even there, right then and there, as he's giving this speech to these people. He's recognizing God's presence. And the people recognize it too. So they're, the, they're not the only ones that are witness to this you know, event, but God is too. Verse 6, Then Samuel said to the people, It is the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron, and who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. So now take your stand, that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did for you and your fathers. When Jacob went into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and settled them in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God. So he sold them into the hand of Sisera, captain of the army of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. They cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served the Baals and the Ashtaroth, but now deliver us from the hands of our enemies and we will serve you. Then the Lord sent Jerubbabel, or known as Gideon, Dan, or Barak, Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you from the hands of your enemies all around so that you lived in security. I think that Samuel is like really hitting hard right now, maybe even a little below the belt. Um, He is reminding them uh, of who God is and who he's been and, and, and what God has done. And not only reminding them, but in verse 7, Samuel says, take your stand. Or in other words, listen up. Acknowledge what God has done, who he is, and also know who you are and who you belong to. It says that God also sold them into the hands of their enemies, which I feel like that wording or that verbiage might, you know, really kind of jar you a bit that God would do something like this. But to just point out, it doesn't say that God left them. God was never absent from them. I love the verse before that they forgot the Lord their God, then they were sold, and then they cried out to the Lord. And then the Lord responded. God never left them. You know, they forgot God. It's easy to get swept away in these things. Um, Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Verse 12. When you saw that Nahash, the king of the sons of Ammon, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us, although the Lord your God was your king. Now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen, whom you have asked for. And behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and listen to his voice and not rebel against the command of the Lord, then both you and also the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God. And if you will not listen to the voice of the Lord but rebel against the command 
of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. And again, this doesn't mean that God will ever leave you. And in fact, Jeremiah 2.19 says that it's our own sin that punishes us or rebukes us, not God. In verse 16, Even now, take your stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not the wheat harvest today? I will call to the Lord that he may send thunder and rain, and then you will know and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord by asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Um, the wheat harvest is the summer months. doesn't typically rain. I, if you were here for the part of, um, I can't remember who did it, but where Samuel and the Israelites went to Mizpah, and uh, they sent sacrifices to God, they prayed. And the Philistine army heard all these people were collecting, and they thought, we need to attack You know, we need to get them before they do us. And God sent a thunder and a rain. I mean, this is not just a light summer rain. You know, this is this is a big deal. Like if it's enough to scare the Philistine army running in the opposite direction, you know that it's pretty powerful statement. And um, and it's I mean, totally weird that it would be raining anyways at this time. Um, And I, I love this next part in verse 19. Then all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, so that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil by asking for ourselves a king. I think if I were Samuel, I would have threw in the towel. I would have just said, Are you kidding? I've, how long? I'm on an hour and a half speech, you know, and I've said all these great things. I've grown up with you. We, like, and you're still, you still can't pray to God yourselves. You still can't ask him yourselves, you know, like, That's what I would have done. But um, thankfully, that's not what Samuel does. Um, Samuel said to the people, do not fear. Yes, you have committed all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. You must not turn aside, for then you would go after futile things which cannot profit or deliver because they are futile. For the Lord will not abandon his people on account of his great name, because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. But I will instruct you in the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, both you and your king will be swept away. I think it's great that um, Samuel is is so intentional uh, with these people and that he's talking with them. I I mentioned this morning, I I mentioned it a lot, but I talk about retirement a lot. And um, this is my boss right here, one of them. I work for SCUM and for Michael. And we talk a lot about retirement and figure out what that looks like. Probably more than I should at the age of, ripe age of 27. Um, but I, I don't think that if I were Samuel, you know, it, this is his farewell speech. I mean, there's no need for Samuel now that they have a king. He's stepping down as judge, you know, and 
Saul is stepping up. So he's saying goodbye. He's retiring, you know, so he thinks. We'll read on and figure out he doesn't. But um, I think that I would just be like, I'm done. Peace, suckers, you know. I, uh, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'd like to say that I wouldn't because, I mean, I love you guys, but I think once I want to retire, I want to retire. Um, so I love that he, you know, very intentional with him. He's not stepping down. And, and then he even says, I'll, I'll be with you. You're not going to be alone in this. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to help you. I'm going to instruct you in this, you know, so that you're not going to totally fumble. Um, and then, you know, we all get caught up in, in the day-to-day stuff. We all get swept away in our own things. And, um, and Samuel's just kind of saying, like, it's okay. Yes, you've sinned. Let's move forward. And he's acknowledging their sin. He's not just covering it up and saying, all right, it's all good. You know, he's acknowledging, yes, you've sinned. Um, but the Lord is present and um, we'll move forward and try not to get swept away in that. Um, I think it's a really meaty chapter, but um, so is a lot of scripture. It's really meaty, you know. Uh, you may be wondering, okay, well, how can I acknowledge God? How can I remember him when I barely remember what I had for lunch today? You know, I know that. I struggle with that. Maybe you don't. Um, I mean, and other than God being a, a big God who can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, um, if he wants to reveal himself to you in a mighty way, he will. Um, other than that, uh, I think there are some practical tips that this scripture particularly gives us as well as just having a deep relationship with him you know and and maybe that's something you're struggling with maybe that's something that's hard to grasp you know having a relationship with god um and i i think that verse 14 says some things we can we can look at it says fear the lord serve him obey him and don't rebel against him those are some tips we can do. I don't know how we can do any of these things without acknowledging him first. Because um, otherwise, why are you doing it? You know? I, um, I like to believe that it's really, it involves a constant communion with the Lord. Um, I'm reminded of a story that I didn't share earlier but I'll share now because Michael's right there and I'm looking at him. So, um, yeah. Actually, there's a lot of stories about you. But um, shout out. Uh, Michael shares a story that's really beautiful to me. Um, of him, he loves the Dallas Cowboys. He loves them. I mean, if anyone knows him, that's like his team. And has been since 1971. Something like that, right? Die hard. Um, and he was at home. This was after Michael is blind. Um, this was after he lost his sight and couldn't watch the game, but was watching the game. Um, and he's sitting by himself watching the game. And he s- describes it that that he felt like Jesus was just kicked back right next to him, like watching the game with him. And I, I just think it's like. That's so cool, right? You know, that that we can engage with God on that level all the time. It's not just a dear Jesus, amen, 
it doesn't have to be in that format. You don't have to be making war on the floor. You know, like, it's, you know, that's awesome. And I, I mean, you can light candles, you can put music on, you can do whatever it takes to get you in that zone, you know. But it's about a, a constant communion, talking with him, recognizing that he's already there. It's not about him showing up. It's not about him putting something big in front of you, but recognizing that he's already there and he's already been there. I mean, sorry to say, he's been there before you, you know. He's the whole reason you're here. And I, um, it's just about recognizing and acknowledging that he's there. So I, I am a caregiver for Michael. I spend nine hours a day with him. It's a lot of time. I love him dearly, and I hate him sometimes too. But, um, you know, when you spend that much time with someone, you really get to know them. And um, I love Michael. I adore him. And if you notice, he has a trach. He's a little bit softer spoken um, than most of us. And most people have a hard time hearing him. And probably in an environment like this, it would be really hard to hear him. But I can hear Michael if I'm in the other room because I'm so in tune to him. I mean, if I didn't see Michael for 10, 20 years and he called me up one day and his name didn't show up on caller ID, I would know it was him because I know his voice. You know, we've built a relationship. We've invested in something that we care about and that we want to preserve. And if you can think of someone that you know that you love dearly, you know, if you think about how you invest in that relationship, um, think of how you can invest in God in that relationship the same way. You'll never feel abandoned or neglected. God is constantly saying, remember me, remember me. And sometimes it's a, a daily reminder. And it may seem elementary, it may seem simple, but sometimes we need to be reminded of that, of the simple things. And I, I want to really like just focus on 1 Samuel twelve twenty two. For the Lord will not abandon his people will not abandon his people on account of his great name, because the Lord has been pleased to make you a people for himself. So take his heart and remember him. Continue to build a relationship with him. And if you want to know how that how that looks tangibly, you know, there's a lot of people here at SCUM and in the community that you can talk with. And, and just talk to the Lord. I mean, it doesn't have to be this big thing. It's just, God, what's up? You know? I mean, I'm asking him that all the time because I don't know. You know, I don't. I'm constantly like, God, what is up? And that's, and that's what it is. Start practicing that. And, and the more that you build that relationship, the easier it's going to be to recognize his voice and acknowledge him when he's there. You know, and he's always there. So it kind of works out perfectly.